Hey, Jesse, this is Rob. And Molly. And Martha. And we want to say congratulations on your 50th episode of Set Lusting Bruce. Yes. Woo! Keep up the good work, Jesse. Hello and welcome to Set Lusting Bruce, a podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and this episode is the 50th episode of this podcast. Well, to be technical, this will be the about the 66th episode that's shown up on the Set Lusting Bruce feed, but in this time there have been b-sides and some tributes this is officially the 50th episode for the main set lusting bruce is that confusing enough anyway i wanted to take some time and celebrate that i've had enough support and love from the bruce buds family for me to make 50 episodes. So we're going to go to a little bit down memory lane. Shall we call it Thunder Road? Or Racing in the Streets? I am so honored so many have supported the show by listening to it, downloading it, sharing it on Twitter. Uh, we get a very healthy listening audience and I am so proud and honored that the support continues. To kick things off, I'd like to with the very first episode where my podcast leader, Rob Southgate, and I talked about the origins of the show. Hello, and welcome to the initial episode of a brand new Bruce Springsteen podcast, Set Lusting Bruce. Um, I have begged, pleaded, bribed uh, to my podcast leader, Rob, to let me do a Bruce Springsteen podcast, and he has kindly finally said yes, and he has even agreed to lead this first podcast, so we kind of talk about what we're doing. Rob, welcome to Set Lusting. Okay, Jesse, first of all, you didn't have to work that hard. <laughs> no, I didn't. You... Yeah, I, I think it was you recorded it for 80s Reboot, and then all of a sudden I got a note that said, I'm making this a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, and yeah. you know what, Jesse, this is, this is the thing. And yeah. this is something a lot of people don't realize about our group, about Southgate Media Group. Mm. You, you see all that geek stuff. You see all that TV stuff. Yeah. But do you know the whole idea was birthed out of other stuff? And just being creative and finding your voice and feeding your passion. So if your passion is Bruce Springsteen, you know what? We're down with that. Let's yes. do it. 
So once I knew that I had Rob and Martha's support, I knew that I needed to find Bruce Buds to talk to. And I knew they were out there. I knew there were people that were passionate about Bruce, but how to start, how to get it going. So created a Twitter account, created a Facebook page, and I reached out to one of my favorite people, um, and that is Donna from Bruce Funds. Explained her what I was doing, and she was very kind to say, absolutely, let me join on. So first off, I want to explain, I'm going to let Donna explain what Bruce Funds is and what they've accomplished over the past few years. I'm Donna Gray, and I'm the founder of Bruce Funds, which I started in 2012. Um, we help fans get to a local show if they cannot afford to go or if they're maybe having some medical or family issues. And we've helped over 300 people. I asked Donna to tell me the secret origin, so to speak, of Bruce Funds and how it started. There are really three events that, uh, in hindsight, I would say helped Bruce Funds come into existence. But um, one of those three things um, was that I had noticed when the tour was announced, uh, ticket sales were happening, and many of my friends were saying that this time around, they didn't think they could afford a concert, even in their own backyard, um, due to a whole host of reasons. A lot of a lot of people had job losses. Some were facing foreclosures, medical situations um, for their children or for themselves yeah. or for their um, their parents. Yeah. Um, so I was determined to get my friends to a show. Yeah. Um, I had a few tickets, a few extra tickets, because one of the other events that I say came into this was um, when Clarence died, my mom was my uh, concert partner. I got her into into Springsteen, and she used to go with me. Um, and when Clarence died, my mom said she was done as well. She didn't want to see any more. Um, she has a, a whole host of health problems um, that used to seemingly disappear when she was at a con at a Springsteen concert. The um, miracle of Bruce's music. The miracle. <laughs> I have witnessed it many times on my mother's face and body and spirit. Yeah. Um, but she she said, you know, she wasn't going to go anymore. And I said, I, I thought she would come around. So I was always buying two tickets anyway. Right. And then I would have one extra because mm -hmm. I would give her right up until, you know, the day before and she would say no. And, you know, I would try to sell them usually on Backstreet's ticket exchange. Right. Uh, but if I could swing it, mm -hmm. I really liked to give them away. Right. I liked to do that because, I don't know, it just made me feel the unexpected happiness of it. Yes. Was just a very wild and genuine experience. I used to be able to say, you know, when they would come to give me the money for the exchange, I would just mm. say, oh, no, you you just ha keep that or, you know, yeah. buy a beer or pay it forward or whatever I would say. I would just be like, you know, surprise. And they would be really excited. And I loved that feeling. Right. So anyway, to backtrack, back to friends not being able to go, me having extra tickets. Um, I mentioned it um, 
on Twitter, which at the time was really just starting to influence me as to, hey, you know, there's other Springsteen fans everywhere. And through a hashtag or or just through Springsteen's Twitter account, we could see who else was a was a fan. So then you could follow each other and talk to each other. And so I mentioned that I had a few extra tickets and I mentioned friends who couldn't afford to go. And I just started talking about it with a few people. And we were all like, hey, you know what? I know somebody who fits that profile as well. And we thought, well, wouldn't it be great if two or three people could pull some funds together? You know, sometimes you don't have enough money to buy someone else a ticket all by yourself. But if you have three people who could buy one ticket, it breaks down the burden a little bit. Yeah. So that's what we started doing, really just a very small handful of people. Yeah. And, And it just. I, I, I'm, it still astounds me. I really, it just became a grassroots movement. I had no idea that it would grow over the two years, 2012 to 2014. Uh, we helped hundreds of fans around the world. People had extra tickets or people could give a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. And we managed to help hundreds of fans. That really is um, uh, an incredible testament to what I think is Springsteen fans taking care of their own. Yeah. To use, to use his song, which is probably the, the second most misunderstood song of his, right? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, he never, he, he never meant that. I'm sure he never meant, yeah. Hey, why don't you Springsteen fans take care of your own? But, yeah. but that's how I took it. I mean, that's, that's how it spoke to me. Madison, I would just like to say thank you. I would not have had made such amazing friends if it wasn't for this podcast. You have opened so many doors for me, and to think it all started with a tweet. I'm so proud to have witnessed this being your 50th episode, and I definitely will be here for the 100th episode, too. Thank you for welcoming me into the Bruce Bud family and for supporting my dream with me. Much love to you, Jesse. I ask in almost every podcast about songs that have a special meaning 
or significance in the person I'm talking to. One of the reasons I do this is because the stories behind how a song becomes special to you I find very interesting and here are a couple I want to share with you. Let's start out with John. My two favorite Bruce songs are Factory and The Promise. Um, though I'm, I'm going to steal something from you, Jesse. I, I, now I say I have three favorite songs, uh, Factory, The Promise, and whatever kind of mood I'm in to, to add that third song because that, that third spot changes all the time depending on what's going on. Um, but I, 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 I like Factory um, just the, you know, the, the, it's first of all the story about his father and that, you know, you think about Bruce, he's never really had a job. I, I don't think you can say being a rock and roll star, star right. is a job. I mean, and in fact, I think his comment was, that's why they say you play in a band. You don't work in a band. You play in a band. But, you know, in that, in that um, in Factory, when the line, you know, Factory takes his hearing, Factory gives him life, that just shows you that, you know, you know, we all have to go out and we all have to, you know, support our family. We all need to go work for a living. Um, and that can be a detriment to us, like, you know, taking someone's hearing. Uh, but at the same time, that, and particularly with males, it seems like we need that job. We need that sort of uh, sense of responsibility to, to, to get us through lives, through our lives. Thunder Road. I can't listen to um, Thunder Road, and I have been blessed to hear Bruce sing it uh, many times. Um, most recently, probably was at the Light of Day concert last year. He was on stage with all of the other performers from Jersey and all over, you know, faithful musicians who show up every yeah. year for the, the Light of Day. He started singing Thunder Road. And it was just amazing how the spirit just overtook the room. He sort of stopped singing and let the audience sing. And the, the audience just took the song away. And it's just, it's a moment in time. It's a moment that for me just brings me to tears of joy. And, and it's hard to explain that to somebody who doesn't know what that means. Yeah. But absolute brings me to my knees every time I hear that song. I just feel blessed. Yes. Blessed to know this man. Blessed that this man is in my life. Blessed that I have allowed his spirit into my life. Blessed that 
this wonderful musician is so dedicated to his music and to his fans. And we try and show him that same dedication back. We try, we try, Bruce. <laughs> Green door slam, Mary's dress sweet. Like in the vision, she dances across the porch as the radio plays. Roy Orbison singing for lonely. That's me and I want she lonely. Don't turn me on again. I just can't face myself alone. Don't you run back inside, darling, you know just what I'm here for. Come on, baby. So you're scared and thinking maybe we ain't that young anymore. Show your faith is magic in the night. We'll be your lady all You can hide neath your covers and sell your pain. Make crosses from your lovers, throw roses in the rain. Waste your summer praying in vain for a savior to rise from these streets. I know people that's understood all the redemption I could offer girls beneath this dirty hill with a chance to make it. I've been blessed to have people on the podcast that use the power of Bruce's music to help them through difficult times. I think Doris is a great example of that, and here's her story. I came down with um, an illness called scleroderma. So about... Tell me what that is in my very uneducated, non-medical mindset. Listen, you wouldn't be the only one to say <laughs> it. something like that because, you know, it's a very, very rare illness. Okay. It only affects 300,000 people in the world. Wow. It's uh, debilitating and it, there is no cure for it. It's okay. an illness that affects your, it hardens your skin and your internal organs. Mm. And they only give you like two to five years to live with this illness. Wow. Okay. Um, and when know, were you diagnosed? So um, yeah, back in 2005 then. And um, my daughter was just, um, she was still in grammar school when this happened. Okay. And uh, it came at me like wildfire. Mm. I went through, um, I was in the hospital every three months for the first two years of this illness. 
Wow. I had 28 transfusions, oh, and wow. I have a cord in my chest yet that I go every month to the hospital, and I have to get it flushed. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's what I was on, actually, oxygen 24-7. Wow. And I had hospice actually come to my house. It was really the end. And just with, uh, with I can just say it was divine intervention that I made it and that I'm here today to tell my story. And through it all, you know, I just kept my faith. Yeah. I listened to Bruce a lot. My daughter would put those earphones in my ears because my hands actually closed in a fist. I couldn't do anything. Mm. She would help me do everything for me, you know. And so I would be able to listen to Bruce while I was getting hand surgeries done and things that are just so horrible, believe me. And yet, thank God I made it through. But Bruce helped me through so much of this, you know, his music, his his encouragement, his his hope for better days, you know, that would come. And they did, you know. And because of this illness, I met so many great people on mm-hmm. online. I met them on Twitter. They kept me going. And I have, you know, so much to, you know, share. Is there any specific... I mean, did you have specific albums or... I listened. I listened mostly to Better Days and Dream Baby Dream. Yes. I listened to that song a lot. And I listened to... I love Sherry Darling. And I wanted some upbeat music. Mike joined me, and he has a special connection to Bruce. He's Gary's brother-in-law, and we spent a little bit of time talking about that. But here's his favorite song. Yeah, I mean, Adam Raised a Cane is always going to mean a lot to me because, uh, you know, not only was uh, did I feel that I was maybe misunderstood by my mom, and that's all about Bruce being misunderstood by his dad and how he has to carry the burdens of what his dad had done. And, uh, of course, that was the song that introduced me to Bruce. So that's whenever he breaks that out, it's fantastic. Yes. Father held me to his side. The 
as they put me to the wall. He said, I won't that day I cry. Podcasting is a family, and I've been lucky enough to have fellow podcasters join me on Set Lusting Bruce. Here's a clip from Dylan, who does a great Macca Reservation radio podcast. And here's a little clip from his show. This is uh, Dylan McManus of uh, Macca's Res Radio podcast. Well, I, I can honestly say that, you know, I discovered Bruce through family. I always call her my family, a Springsteen family. Uh, that's how we're, you know, my brother got into it and then turned it on to my sister who turned it on to me. So you remember a bootleg cassette of, I want to say it's like a 73 show, it's Flower Hour. Uh, the song was called Bishop Dance. And I swear yes. to God, that was like my lullaby for the first few years of my life to the point where I can actually quote that song. Wow. Bishop danced with a thumbscrew woman Did a double quick backflip and slid across the floor Catholic traffic road freely across the river And fiddlestick fiddle quick out the front door Oh baby don't put mamas in a back tree If the bike breaks, mama might fall Little sitting only, baby don't be lonely Mama knows with my tickles how to take a fall. Mama knows with my tickles how to take a fall. Yeah, the kids are crying. Flapjacks make them that early in the morning. Little Jack, grab your hat and hear the breakfast call. Muskrat, batter cat, kick them in the fireplace. There's someone in the kitchen blowing down on the horn. There's someone in the kitchen blowing down like they're born. One of the nicest things that's happened to me in this 50 episodes is meeting both Patrick and Jim from USA Today's Dad Rock. Um, They've both been on my show, and they were nice enough to interview me when they were in Dallas, and I was on their podcast. So here's a clip from both of them. Um, But here's the other thing, getting sort of like tying this in in a way to sort of the dad rock thing is because I'm, I'm 48 and two songs that kind of that I've found that I've really liked as I've gotten older and just because I don't know they just sort of like finally like I can sort of like get them and connect with them in a way is um and and and, and I don't know that either of these necessarily are like fan favorites or what have you, but again, it just shows like the depth of songwriting that even songs that other people might kind of toss aside, I think are great. There's two of them. So one is from the Tunnel of Love album, the song One Step Up. I think One Step Up is one of those songs that I think is just so expertly written about being in like a being in a serious relationship right and just sort of like the ups and downs and how difficult it really could be and how much work it is and how things don't always go the way you want it to and anyway i just i i I think about that song on a fairly regular basis
Woke up this morning, the house was cold. Checked the furnace, she wasn't burning. Went out and hopped in my old Ford. Hit the engine, but she ain't turned. Giving each other some hard lessons lately. We ain't learning with same sad story. It's a fact. One step up and two steps back. But as somebody who wants to make a relationship work, you can listen to it and sort of like understand yeah. what not to do, you know, in some ways yes, or the does. mistakes not to make, right? And I always go back to that line about, because um, everybody has these moments. Like when I look at myself, I don't see the man I want to be somewhere yes. along the line. I went off track. You know, it's just everybody, we're all flawed people and we all have moments like that. Yes. But the point is to recognize it, right? Anyway. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. then the next one, which... Um, is my favorite song off of the albums he did with the other band. Yes. Um, but as sort of, I think, is a nice sort of companion piece to One Step Up is Better Days. that to me then is sort of like the joy of kind of figuring it out in some way yes. and and understanding what it does take to be in a committed relationship with somebody and how great that can be right again recognizing some of the mistakes you've made some of the flaws you may have but how the but the 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 sense that like better days are ahead right and things i'm always always liked about Springsteen just overall is there's so much hope in so many of his songs even the songs that are sad songs there's there's a sense of like that things can get better, right? And this one just comes right out and says it, but I think it does it so well and it just sort of makes you feel 
that that there is a a great life ahead of you if you you know can yeah. if you have the means to take it right <laughs> and springsteen was a poet you know he was um he was a genius poet and I'm not going to uh, deny the fact that I've not copped his his lines you know to try to be um to try to be more of a suave kind of romantic guy, you know, when I was interested in girls uh, for a long time. And I think, you know, uh, and many people have said this, but escape and freedom and finding a connection with somebody were, you know, obviously huge themes in his music. But to me, you know, and you can take Born to Run as an example, right? You know, we're, we're going to like get on the highway and we're going to get out of this town, you know, yes. to simplify it. But to me, it was a little different. I think that Springsteen represented personal freedom. He represented to me the fact that you could create a personal space with someone else and you could shut the world out that way. And that's what Rosalita always represented to me and it, you know, kind of a crystallization, right? Come out now, Rosie, you know, like right off the bat, just if you can just get away from your family for a few hours and be yeah. with me, you know, we'll have a whole world there together. I've had people who've written Bruce Springsteen books on the show, and here is Peter from Blogness on the Edge of Town talking about his book, um, Glory Days, Bruce Springsteen's Greatest Albums. Well, it's interesting. I, I was actually, it wasn't something I had necessarily considered, except maybe in the far uh deep vestiges of my mind, but I right. felt too busy uh, and uh, too, you know, not, not focused enough. Um, but I was actually approached by Endeavor Press in London, who had, had come across the blog, I guess, and they do a series of these books, you know, that focus on a particular, you know, sort of legacy artist's greatest album. And the idea being you sort of analyze um, a, a chunk of their work and decide which is best. So they approached me um, and sort of laid out what they were looking for. And I said, well, you know what? You know, why not? Sure. <laughs> you know, they, they seem to know what they're doing, you know, and it, it, it avoided the sort of hassles that come along with self-publishing. I was able right. to you know, just sort of write it and deliver it to, to a publisher. Um, um, it was really interesting putting it together. I mean, first, 
the first big challenge was, you know, it's it's we wanted to make it a, a very low price point. Um, right. You know, the book is an ebook that's, you know, it's like two ninety nine on on Amazon. So the idea is, you know, make it short and to the point. And uh, we decided, okay, we're gonna talk. I'm gonna talk about eight albums, you know, in depth. Right. Um, and then pick, pick the top. And we didn't even have enough room for the top ten. <laughs> so wow. Just, so narrowing it down to those eight was was probably the hardest part. You know, and I, and I wound up leaving out, you know, and this this was the hardest part. I wound up leaving out um, his first two albums, Greetings right. and, um, you know, Wild and Innocent. Um, not because I don't love them, but because, I, you know, it seemed like any discussion, if you got to pick pick what the best one is, it's it's something that came out from Born to Run <laughs> forward. Mm -hmm. Wendy Parnell writes some beautiful children's books, and... Um... I definitely recommend you go check them out. But here is her talking about how sometimes it's lonely being a Bruce fan in Texas. Well, I was born and raised in San Antonio, okay. and uh, I live now in Dripping Springs, just west of Weird, as they say, uh, near Austin. But as a as a uh, Springsteen f fanatic, yeah, um, there's just not. I don't feel like, I mean, I don't feel like there's many of us here in Texas. Uh, at least I don't personally, of all my friends, know anybody that's into Springsteen the way that I am. Yeah. So, uh, and I've been meeting and have met a lot of Springsteen uh, fans, but of course many are from New Jersey, New York, uh, you know, that area. So it's also exciting to be talking to you. Uh, I know that you're a Springsteen fan, but you're yeah. not from you're not from New Jersey. You know, Wendy, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, you know, I mean, because you know, Philly, Jersey, New York are all within fairly easy driving range. Right. So it's it's easy to catch shows, but you know, if you're living in Dallas or Austin or you know, it's an effort to try to go see him because he doesn't always come to Houston. He doesn't always come to Austin. He doesn't always come to Dallas. And, and you know, I wish he would do that triple. I wish he would do Dallas, Houston, Austin because I'd try to go see all three shows. Mm -hmm. But it's it's just not to be for us. Yeah, and, and uh, I my feeling is you cannot gauge somebody's um, fandom – uh, on the number of live shows they've been to because it just isn't fair. Another author I had was Alton Bach, who wrote a book. Another author I had was Alton Bach, who wrote a book called Jungle Land. I, I grew up on LBI, which is where the, the story is set. And um, the original idea that I had for a, uh, it was more of a father-son uh, story about a uh, father and son reconnecting on fishing trips to the Jersey Shore. Some of it was a little autobiographical, a little bit too intimate. I kind of got away from it. I threw out this um, time travel element um, to kind of, you know, have the, the kid, you know, going back into younger versions of himself, trying to kind of piece together, right. you know, what went wrong in his relationship with his father. And I say, now that I think about it, it's still a really cool idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then I, I really liked, I mean, uh, all of my books have a time travel element. I'm, I'm a child of the 80s, so I grew up on Back to the Future and the Terminator and, you know, all this, you know, great, this great time travel stuff. And yeah. um, it, it just, you know, connects with me, you know, as a, as a reader and a, a viewer. So it's the sort of thing I like. What's frustrating for me is there are a lot of people who, 
you know, who know me and know the places I talk about in Jungle Land uh, on Long Beach Island in New Jersey. Um, a lot of the places, uh, restaurants and other places are places that I did go to. Uh, there are elements of Danny that are obviously based on me. There are uh, uh, characters that are loosely based on either uh, real people or kind of amalgams of, you know, uh, several different people, you know, rolled sure. into one. Um, it's always very frustrating as an artist when um, somebody's talking to you about the book and instead of referring to the, the, the character's name, in this case, Danny, and saying, well, when, I liked when Danny did this, they say, I liked when you did this. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, man, am I, am I, is it that transparent or, yeah. um, but you know, that, that, uh, so, I mean, for those of uh, those uninitiated hearing, I'm talking about a book, people are like, what is it about? Uh, it's about a guy who is, you know, filled with regret. He's, uh, got his first child on the way. His marriage is falling apart. He uh, attends a Bruce Springsteen concert, and the magic of Bruce sends him back to uh, the Jersey Shore. He's now sent, he's back in time in his 18-year-old body and has uh, a week to relive the past and try to fix one of his biggest mistakes. Hey, everyone. This is Wendy Hembrock from Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV podcast and the Small Council Matters podcast, wishing my fellow friend and podcaster, Jesse, congratulations on episode number 50. And question for you, is a dream a lie if it don't come true, or is it something worse? See you out in the street, Bruce Buds. I've borrowed this from my friend Sam, but with all apologies to Disney, the happiest place on earth is a Bruce Springsteen concert. And sometimes magic happens at a concert. I wanted to share Don's story with you now. We're in Alaska. Um, he has family in Alaska, so we planned a two-week trip and I had just I, I had gotten breast cancer and um, I was it was a year and I didn't even remember the date it had been a year since I finished my treatment mm -hmm. so when we were in Alaska the, you know that the date totally escaped me he handed me an envelope and I said what's this and it was you know a, a beautiful card in it that said you know it's been one year um, you know, I love you. And, and inside were, um, two tickets. Well, actually two were four tickets, uh, general admission to the September shows in Chicago, um, at Wrigley field. And I looked at him and I was like, are you for real? And he said, this is a big, you know, it's a big day and I think we should celebrate it. And I said, absolutely. I said, these are GA, right? And he said, yes, they are. And um, he also said that my friend Marsha and her husband were going to join us. And um, so that year, um, I think it was 2013, um, we went, well, 2012. I, I, I can't even remember. Sure. We... We all, we flew to Chicago, we had rooms, you know, we did the whole Chicago tour and we went to both shows at Wrigley Field where Eddie Vedder and, um, oh God, Eddie Vedder and, oh, I can't believe this is escaping me, um, played with him. Wow. And it was, it was just amazing because there, one of the, one of my favorite songs by him is None But the Brave. And I 
never thought I would ever hear it. And that the first Wrigley show, I was standing in a group of people in the pit and um, he, he had seats, him and, and my friend's husband. And we all talk about what do you want to hear? What do you want to hear? And I had said, I said, I know I'll never hear this, um, but I would love to hear none but the brave lives. And so we're a quarter of the way through the show. And um, all of a sudden I hear the opening notes of none but the brave. Mm. Everybody that around me in the pit turned around, started to scream. Yeah. And I, my mouth is hanging open as I'm looking at him on the stage and tears are just running down my face because I am saying to myself, I cannot believe I am standing, you know, five feet away from this man and he is playing this song. It was such a surreal experience for me. This is Mitch Slater. Congratulations, Jesse, on your 50th show. And when I'm not listening to Bruce or in a pit somewhere, I'm listening to Set Lusting Bruce, the greatest podcast about Bruce Springsteen today. Happy 50th. I've met so many great people via this podcast, but I'm going to give a special shout out to who I call my Bruce wife. Uh, Allie from New York is just a special person. She is passionate, and I'm lucky enough she's now doing a podcast with me. We're doing Comrades, which is an American podcast. So here's Allie talking about a special experience on the makeup show in Madison Square Garden. It, it, it was. It was, you know, look, you know, you heard those first few chords from meeting, and you just – you know, as much as you're like, oh, my God, it's meeting. The next thing you think of, the minute you hear those first two chords is, oh, my God, if he goes into John line, I'm going to die on the spot. You know, I'm going to, you know, just die. But, you know, and for someone like myself, and this is a little, just a little fact, um, from what I remembered last night, and I went and looked it up, you know, after the show, he had not done that sequence in the U.S. since the birthday show. And I was saying that to someone as we were walking out. I said, no, no, no. And they were like, no, no, he has. I'm like, no, he has, but he hasn't done it in the U.S. And the end, since Clarence died, from what I understood, from what I read today, I was on Bruce Space and on um, the Bruce Fanatic app, um, it's only been done five times and now six in that sequence.
the first episode of Set Lusting Bruce came out in September of 2015. As I record this episode, it's May 2016. Past eight months, I found a new work home. I've watched my wife compete in an Ironman and made me so proud. My son attended his first Springsteen concert, and I've made so many new Bruce Bud friends. I am blessed in so many ways, and I appreciate all the love and support I've been given by everyone, especially Linda and Chris. My wife and son often make fun of me because of my Bruce obsession, though I I like to think of it as a passion, as Mitch Slater calls it. But both Chris and Linda love that I do this, and they are supportive and proud of me. So here is both of them talking about our family theme song, which is a cover Bruce did on his High Hopes album, Dream Baby Dream. It's a good song. Yeah, and then uh, Dream Baby Dream is our kind of family uh, theme song. Sure. So you want to tell that story? How that started being? Yeah, sure, of course. So we're uh, we're going on the way to Louisiana uh, to go see my grandma, my dad's mom, Mimi. Shout out to Mimi. Um, and we were going to get um, oh, we just got we stopped and got something to eat or something. And Dad was like, "Hey, there's a new Bruce song out that I want to listen to." And for those of you who don't know, just Google or YouTube "Dream Baby Dream." And it's a real simple song, but it's a great melody, and it's just awesome. And sure enough, my mom doesn't, who doesn't have a filter, doesn't ever uh, think before she speaks at times. What did she say? She was like, "This, it's too simple, Jesse. Where's the lyrics?" It's like, "Mom, it's a really good song." And then, knowing my mom, again, no filter, she always puts her puts her foot in her mouth though, because then she was like, "I like that song." Can we play it again? Like you were just talking smack about it. The story, and then it ended up being, yeah, like a family theme a little bit. We yeah. always like it. Dream Baby Dream, yes. And that's my very favorite song. And then there's um, Rocky well, Ground. So let's let's go back to, when you first heard Dream Baby Dream, what were your thoughts on it? It was lame. I thought it was lame. But why, then I played why? it again a year later with a few drinks in me and my son and my husband together. And then both singing it out loud, it became like our song that we played before Cowboys games, song that I played before Iron Man, song that I played during every single Iron Man training session that I did on my bike or my run. So it became an anthem for both Iron Man, Cowboys, and the Jackson family. Now I just want to see you smile. Yeah, I just want to see you smile. Come on, dream on, dream, baby, dream. Come on and open up your heart. Come on and open up your heart. Come on and open up your heart. Come on, dream on, dream, baby, dream. Yeah, I just wanna see you smile. Now I just wanna see you smile. Yeah, I just. Open up your 
I think it's time for me to close it up and move on. Thank you to everyone for all the support you've given me during this Springsteen journey. I hope that you've enjoyed the episodes. If you have any feedback, please get back to me at setlustingbruce at gmail.com or I have my personal Twitter at jessejacksondfw or we can do at setlustingbruce on Twitter. Please reach out to me if you want to join me on the show. I'm always looking for guests. I did want to announce that for the summer, I'm going to push back to only one episode a week. I've gone through a lot of episodes, and I want to get some free time. So I'm going to only do one episode a week. And then I'll debate on the fall whether I kick it up again. Or please subscribe to the podcast via iTunes or Stitcher. Um, Go to iTunes and rate and review us. Um, I'm trying to find more listeners, and this is the best way, is to have a high rating on iTunes. Uh, For now, I want you guys to know that this is a joy for me. And remember to have a little faith. There is magic in the night. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.